You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett, where I'm going to keep bringing it. Great stories from incredible human beings in this awesome profession of dentistry. And today we do just that with Dr. Kelly Brummett. She is a rock star in dentistry. If you don't know her, you need to get to know her. And I've had many conversations with her. And today we talk about the recovering perfectionist. It is awesome. You have to listen to this. So listen up, apply it, and enjoy the journey. We'll see you soon. Hey guys, welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know what's so fun is I get to interview brilliant people in this great profession of dentistry and I get to ask them questions and they share their insight so you as the listener can benefit and create a better practice and a better life. And today I have an amazing, brilliant woman. Her name is Dr. Kelly Brummett and we've done a couple podcasts with her and she introduced an idea last time that I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to talk about that. And it's the tale of the recovering perfectionist. Now you're going to want to listen to this, but hold on tight. I want you to meet Kelly before we actually discuss that topic. So Kelly, thanks for being on. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. I always like our listeners to know who they're listening to. So give us a little bio. Who's Dr. Kelly Brummett? Well, uh, I am a, well, I'm a person. (laughs) (laughs) So I have a family. I have um, a son and a daughter. They're in college. So we're empty nesters. My husband's a physician. Uh, We have, I have a practice in uh, Duluth, Georgia. Um, Been practicing for about 20 years now. Um, before I was a dentist, I was a nurse, so I had a little bit of a different, um, background coming in and I run a private practice in Duluth. I bought the practice from Dr. Clayton Davis, who is a awesome dentist. been practicing for 35 plus years, this practice. Um, before that I did have a practice in Noonan, Georgia that I ran for 17, 18 years. But yeah, now I'm in, I'm a big city girl in Atlanta and uh, live in, um, this is my second year owning this practice. So um, we're celebrating that and 
I teach at the Pinky Institute. Um, I'm on the board of directors and I'm just passionate about learning. I'm kind of a learning junkie as well as um, always trying to grow, change, yeah. be different today than yesterday and uh, hoping to uh, be a part of impacting dentistry. Yeah, you are definitely doing that. Now you're extra qualified. Let me speak for you because you're a pretty humble person. <laughs> To talk on this subject, not only are you heavily involved with the Panky Institute and changing people's lives, but the board of directors, and you purchased the practice from one of my favorite dentists, who's probably one of the best dentists I've ever met. Like, I don't know if I would have done that, because <laughs> I felt like I would feel like uh, extra level of, well, I don't know, expectation on myself, and you know me well enough, Kelly. I'm not a smart guy, and I was telling you before we went live, like, you know, oh, this is a great topic, recovering perfectionists. And uh, maybe, well, I've never been a perfectionist. I'm an aspiring perfectionist. So, And you're like, I don't know if that's a good idea. But um, I just think you're hugely qualified to talk about this important subject. And let's talk about the why. Let's talk about the word perfectionist. What does that mean? And as you watch the evolution of so many dentists, why is that important to their journey? Well, I guess let me tell you a story that of why this kind of came into fruition. Um, one day I was, I was driving home from work early in my practice and I had a patient that had a previous five unit bridge and it was failing. And so I went in to replace it. Well, learned that oftentimes what worked before isn't always going to work the second go around. And I just took it really hard as if I had done something wrong because she ended up needing one of the teeth extracted, she needed an implant. And so it was it was just different for her from what she had and just kind of disappointing. And I was beating myself up and I was driving home and I remember I looked in the rear view mirror and I was like, why am I doing this? Like, I didn't make her have the cavity. I didn't make, I mean, she had the bridge for a really long time. Um, and it wasn't really that the cavity it was the compromise of the structure of the tooth. Like it was a root canal tooth. It was a premolar in the midst of a five unit bridge. It, and so uh, I remember one of the significant stories in Dr. Um, Pankey's book on um, philosophy of dentistry that Bill Davis wrote. And the story was about, he was learning about the Munson articulator and he was learning about occlusion and he had five cases that he put on this articulator and he adjusted all the occlusion and then he took it to the patient's mouths all five of these people and he obliterated all of their occlusion and he said like they were just like the flattest teeth he'd ever seen and he said he was kind of like oh no and he he explained it to the patients four of the five patients stayed with him one decided to leave and because they felt like he was conscientious enough that he was going to help them and make things better. And he said, while he was trying to figure this out, he went back to what he knew, which was bread and butter dentistry, drill and fill, while he kept learning about how to make people's occlusion better because, you know, his whole goal was to save teeth. Right. And it resonated with me because it was like, okay, it's not a failure 
And that's what we tend to do to ourselves. We say, oh, this dentistry is going to fail or this dentistry did fail or we criticize or we judge or, or whatever it is. And it's like, no, everything has an expiration date. And it's totally dependent on the variables that that patient hosts. And we get to play a part in our skills and our patient um, understanding our patient from the health standpoint to even the temperament standpoint. And so I just looked in the mirror and was like, I've got to quit beating myself up about this. I'm too early in my career. Yeah. And those stories resonated because it's like, thank God he shared that story for me because it helped me with realizing, okay, all of my dentistry, as Dr. Lee Brady taught me, will will fail. I will not go to my grade. I can't, I mean, I might get lucky. There might be a case or two, but that's not really the goal. The goal of dentistry in my mind is to make people feel better, to make people healthier, to make people function better. Right. So it was like, okay, I need a mindset shift. And that's always been my focus because um, the perfection is quality. I think this goes to the second part of your question of the why. You know, that came about from my years as a springboard diver because there was a perfectionist piece to competing at that level. I, I had a full ride scholarship in college. You know, you could get a 10, which is the, the highest, you know, score you can get. Um, there's not a lot of satisfaction because once you do something well, you want to do it better. Once you do something good, you want to do it well. <laughs> so that that tape that tells you how old I am that ran through my brain and um, did affect me in, in very negative ways sometimes. But I found that creeping in. I found it creeping in dental school. I found it creeping in, you know, even in daily practice. So I think it's a... It's a common um, challenge. I don't want to use the word problem, but it's a common challenge that is not commonly talked about. Yeah. And I think that's true in any. My husband's a, a physician. Um, now, I'll be honest, there's a lot of times that I'll hear him tell me stories of things that go south. Um, surgeon stories. He's a radiologist. So sometimes he's in on the planning stages and you do have to have a, a confidence about you, but there's also this piece that you, you don't want to totally focus on it and dwell on it. It's like, okay, what do, what can we learn? What can we gain and what can we take forward for the next person or even that person that we can help continue to get better? Yeah. There's so many, I, you're just opening up Pandora's box of questions that I have because this is such an important topic. There's a downside to CE, wouldn't you agree? Like you get to see some beautiful stuff and, oh, totally. and you come back and you have this feeling in your stomach. You're like, well, my practice isn't that. Would you agree? And you have to coach yourself in that process. Can you talk about that? Yeah. And I think you hit on the word coach. I think um, we even that's kind of my focus whenever I'm I'm even talking from a management standpoint to my employees, to the patient base is and that's my experience. I like coaching 
because there's this constant work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So what you oftentimes have to sit and at least I have to tell myself when I'm looking at a lecture that has some amazing work, maybe even complex things that I'm thinking I might not even attempt or I don't have the Maybe I don't feel like I have the skills to do that. The idea is to say, okay, what can I, what can I learn from that though? You know, was it a skill? Was it a, a technique? Was it a material? Was it a communication piece that with a patient of even being able to gain the trust of that patient to do the treatment? Because that's a lot of it is that trust and skill. So I think um, putting your learning hat on and being open and trying to sit in the space of non-judgment of yourself while you look out. Yeah, that's so true. I have a story to share with you too. You know, somebody you know very well, you and I both know Dr. Mike Fling and our journey in the Panky Institute. He took me to Bill Lockard's house. I'd never met Bill Lockard and I got to know him through Mike and Bill said one of the most amazing things. And I want you to speak on this. He said, Kirk, perfection is actually deadly. It's not really attainable. My career, my whole goal was excellence. Perfection was God's job. There were days it was perfect. It wasn't my doing, you know? I was, I was just committed to doing the best I could, trying to create a predictable outcome, trying to be excellent. Perfection isn't attainable. Would you agree? Yes, 100%, 100%. And I think it's an, it's an awesome conversation to have with your team and your patients that same conversation, not just with other dentists, but because oftentimes we are viewed from that standpoint with the, the knowledge, the authority or, or something. But I think, I think the, the tricky piece of that though is excellence is a synonym. If you look in the, the, thesaurus mm-hmm. <laughs> to perfection. Okay. Explain that. You have to explain that. That's really good. What does that mean? Well, I, I have said it myself several times. It's even, I came up with a little acronym that I'll share with you later about perfect. That's my reminder. But I mean, it's kind of like, okay, if I say excellence is really important to me, but yet I'm really hard on myself and that excellence becomes just a cover up for the perfection that I'm really still trying to manage. And I can lose my focus on on what I'm doing. And I think like what you said, it's somewhat addictive. I mean, it's there's a piece of the brain, amygdala, where a lot of our addictions come from our sensory, our emotions. And it's oftentimes that perfect, like you do a case, and it is beautiful, regardless of how difficult it might have been. I mean, that's like a little dopamine. And it's like, okay, who else? What's next? And sometimes you can you can lose sight because again it's it's like those principles like striving for versus demanding. Right. Right. It's funny you say that. Now you <laughs> your journey in college was different. I play. I I was on a college football team, but we won't even use the word play. So I was on a team. <laughs> you actually. Yeah competed at the highest level. And it's funny that you say that you read all these stories about these elite distance runners and 
they talk about that. And then when they become normal citizens, it's very hard for them to cope because they were in that zone. Can you, can you just describe that or add some context to that? Yeah, I think it's just recognizing that, um, I mean, it is a performance every day as a dentist. So like any athlete that moves into a business world or whatever, you know, profession past their athletic um, journey is, I mean, you're still, you have a lot of great skills that you learn. You, you've developed values because that's probably the biggest um, thank you I can give to my my athletic career is that the values that it helped me develop, you know, those are the things that you can keep pulling forward. But it's a matter of, I guess, trying to fulfill that immediate, um, I guess, gratification or response that like what you're talking about with that runner, um, if he doesn't get that high, if he's in the business world that he got in those long runs or that euphoria or that, um, it's just that internal, that's the motivation piece. Yeah. Absolutely. And I don't know that I'm answering it or explaining it. <laughs> no, so I apologize, but I just love the conversation. Like I said, the fun thing about podcasts is it's just two people having coffee talking about something <laughs> that matters. I do want to ask you this because we have so many young listeners. We have a lot of dental students listening. So let's say I'm a new dentist. I'm fresh out of school and I'm really enjoying the CE journey. Coach me through how you've been through this, Kelly. What would you tell me if I'm 32 and I'm listening? Okay, if you're talking about the CE journey, well, one, I'm going to tell you that your dental education, I, I'm, I'm going to um, expect was excellent, and it equipped you with a lot of skills. But the whole idea is that in a finite amount of time, you're becoming, they're developing to become a practicing dentist, and from there you get the chance to grow your skills. And those skills are now going to be, encompass maybe practice ownership, maybe being an associate within a practice, whether that's small or large. So the idea is to say, um, as you're defining yourself in dental school, like your skills and what you enjoyed doing, what you didn't like doing, what you said you'd never pick up when you walked out of school, like continue to refine that. So finding CE courses that seem to speak to you, that seem to give you energy. I mean, as Rich Green taught me, you know, if you can dial in and answer for yourself, one thing that gives you energy or two things and remember that and bring that forwards, that, that can guide your CE for the rest of your life. Yeah. And know that when you learn, it's just gaining info. I always teach the, the participants down at um, the Institute, when we're giving them new info, you know, you feel like, oh my God, there's just so much. It's, it's just, it's bombarding you. And, the, and it is, it's at you. But the whole idea is to take what you know, because what you know is good. It's not wrong, it's not right. It is information you have that you've been using. And then take new information 
or maybe information you've heard before, but you haven't quite figured out how to put it in. And literally, I'm using my hands, but literally bring it beside your existing knowledge and decide what pieces you can either incorporate, maybe pieces that you want to save for later, maybe a piece that you were like, okay, I'm ready to layer that baby on. And that's what CE is about for me. It's about helping you gain information to actually take into your practice and start trying. Right. Because it's the practicing piece before you even know what's going to work in your own hands, the patient you're working with, and trusting that, trusting the fact that that you need to practice. Yeah. You know, I had that conversation when I I, I spoke at the um, Washington uh, dental meeting in January. No, January. What date? What month is this? In November. <laughs> um, I saw you as I walked by. You were up there. Oh. <laughs> on, on your stage. Um, but the idea was, when do we ever get to practice right. as dentists? We're, this is real time. We don't normally sit in our labs and practice cutting teeth or filling composite class twos or any of that. And so the reality is take what you have in your brain, put it into your hands, execute, make mistakes, grow from them, and realize that the mistakes aren't necessarily detrimental. They're just, ah, yeah. okay, the way I did that that procedure, I can maybe improve on that next time. And involve your team. Yeah. Because I said earlier, this isn't a common problem, this perfectionist conversation that a lot of people are willing to talk about. But it's it's something that our team needs us to talk about with them. Yeah. Yeah, this is so good. This is such good information, Kelly. And it's what you said is just brilliant. Um, my coach reminds me all the time, you're working with humans. Yes. Like you're working with humans. Like they're not capable of doing everything all the time at, at the highest level. Can you talk about, I think what you just gave the listeners is brilliant advice. If they don't follow that, let's talk about that path. Because we've seen it so many times where people don't get out of the gap. They live in this, I'm striving, striving, striving. And they're, I don't, I don't have a phrase for this, but perpetually miserable is mm -hmm. kind of two of the words that come. And it might not be ever present on their face, but you can feel it in their belly. Do you know what I mean when you're yeah. talking to them, right? Would you agree with that? Yes, 100%. I have, I have experienced that in others and myself at times. And, um, yeah, I think the idea is if you can recognize that I find part of a perfectionist um, healing process is that I can procrastinate. And that procrastination can be my, my lack of trust or faith in myself or in something, and I'll get to it, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. That is a sign for me that, okay, step back, Kelly what's going on? What am I trying to avoid? And that's not true for everybody, but that can be somewhere that shows up. So the procrastination piece sometimes gets revealed by being busy. Mm. So the busier you are, the less ability for me, I got to speak for myself, but to give maybe anything to, to consider for other people is the more busy that I am, the less I feel like I can focus 
and be present and to execute and to learn. Because every time I'm doing a, a restoration or having a conversation with a patient, there's something I can always walk out of that room and learn from. Yeah. And that's the, that's the gift of what we have of being able to grow. I love it. I love it. I want you, before we hit the go button, you mentioned something just perfect. You said we probably shouldn't call it recovering perfectionist. We should call it something else. Can you share with that, what you said? Yeah. So for years, um, now I'm vulnerability moment. I, with my history, I have spent many years in therapy. Um, I'm, that is something that has been beneficial to me to be able to talk out the things that you feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer in your emotions are there, but it's your thinking that drives your behavior and your behavior drives your results. And when I'm willing to go there, I can oftentimes find more peace and, and not have that striving, be, you know, kind of pop up. So the idea is I used to say I'm a recovering perfectionist because the reality is I was and I am still. However, the idea is to recover means to return to. So oftentimes when I realize I might be stepping off the path, I don't want to return back to all my beginning. And that's the beauty is we're not going back to where we started. Mm-hmm. We're going back to where we recognize that we've Maybe our resilience has dipped. And that is now called a healing perfectionist path. Love. Because I am healing. Every every day I'm I'm healing. And and it's just remembering that um, it's it can be admirable for young dentists, you know, striving. The idea is strive. Don't get stuck in the trap, like you said, that gap of having information and maybe you do execute and things don't always go, but that's the beauty of what we get to do. Yeah. Yeah. Poke holes in this. I've told people this for years and poke hole. I, I'm okay being wrong. So what I've said is I, you know, I'm not that, I'm not nearly as smart as you. I'm a, I like you know, trade one P word out for the other P word, Tr- trade perfection for progress. Like I think if you're making progress every single month, you know, you're learning and you're using it. Like you said, like, is there, is there truth in, in that, um, you know, trading perfection for progress? Yes. Yeah. I think that's, that's the key word right there. And, and again, that can become this cliche thing that, you know, it's just like excellence. Right. I mean, it can be, but the idea is that, um, you know, it's that thinking, the more you say it, the more you think it, the more you believe it, the more it'll, it'll keep coming about. Because honestly, I hope to goodness that I am making progress because I don't want to be practicing like I was when I graduated from dental school. You know, and that's what took me down to the Pinky Institute was sitting there saying, okay, I hated dental school, but I, I gained a good education. Now what? Do I just keep practicing like this? What does that look like? And that's what, that's what the progress is. And so the encouragement is find the people that allow you to be who you are while you're discovering who you are. That's one. Yeah. 
And then two, get around education that allows you to grow, not put you in a box that if you don't do step one to step 10, the way that they told you to do it, then you're wrong. The idea is to figure out the pieces of the puzzle. Input is top five on my strengths finder. I love info. I love input. I'll, I Tell me all about it. Show me, do things. I'll figure out a different way probably for me to do it. But that's okay because you are the driver. You're the owner of that. It's just like, it's just like our patients when we tell them to brush your teeth twice a day. It's like, well, how do we do that? So that's my encouragement is um, trying not to get, allow yourself um, a great book, Growth Mindset. I know you've read it. Mm-hmm. Allow yourself to get in there and learn and struggle yeah. because it's that, it's that step into the, the panic zone when they say real learning is actually happening. It's not when you're sitting there just soaking up some words. Totally agree. Totally agree. I want you to talk about the journey to the Panky Institute in a second. Um, you know, if somebody's on, you know, like, oh, it, I hear what you guys are saying, but I need to find that excitement. I need to find a path. I want you to talk about that. But I want to, I think this is just a brilliant conversation, Kelly. Like, I just, I love the topic. I love that you brought this, you know, today to our conversation. But any last thoughts you have? on this important subject? I think my last thoughts are, you're not alone. Yeah. We are all walking through this world together. We're all connected in some way. And my hope for is, I just hope that you hear, um, you're right where you need to be. And you're in the driver's seat to decide where you wanna go. And if you need any support whatsoever, if they, I'm always around. Um, but talk to somebody, don't, um, try not to let the fear of unknowns and uncomfortable things, uh, consume you. Yeah. Very well said. So talk about the journey. So I'll, you know, I'll tell you my journey to Panky too. Somebody made me go. I didn't know what it was. I'm like, where is it? That's, you know, what is it? And I just, they told me to go and I had to go. I didn't have a choice. But if I'm sitting here listening to this podcast and I'm wondering, I got to find a place. I got to get on a path where you talk about the energy. Talk about the Panky Yitsu. What does it do? How do I get started? How does that work? Well, the Panky Institute is in Key Biscayne, Florida. We have a series of curriculums that you begin, uh, Essentials 1, 2, 3, and 4. I am a lead faculty member um, for the Lead 3, which is about anterior aesthetics and function. And the whole idea is kind of taking um, your learning through development with a patient from comprehensive care all the way through to large restorative cases that involve running a practice, figuring out what you want for yourself, surrounding yourself with your dreams, redefining your dreams, your vision, your mission, and being around a community of people that are wanting to make progress. Yeah. 
I love it. I love it. We're going to put a link, you know, if you're not taking notes today, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. Just flip up to the notes. You're going to see links to everything Kelly has shared, including a link to the Panky Institute. You can just click right there. It'll take you right to the Institute. And I'm going to encourage you to check it out. Not only, you know, for the education, but you're going to meet some pretty cool people. It's going to excite the path ahead. And I think that's a big part of this is just to really be excited while you're learning and be surrounded by good people who have your back, you know, who are heavily invested in your growth. So it's good stuff. Kelly, thank you so much for being on. I have absolutely loved this. So I really appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Thank you. Yeah. So stick around. We say goodbye to everybody else, but thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey, if you enjoyed today, which I know you did do me a favor, just hit the share button, share this with your friends. Keep sending us suggestions that you guys want to see in upcoming podcasts. I'm lining them up all right now. Also anything that I can have Kelly back that you want to learn more about, I'm going to have her back and we can ask her the questions and get the answers straight from her. So until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs>